This podcast is shareable. I'm going to go ahead on a limb and say this either is or will become your favorite podcast. This is shareable. The show that's so good, you got to tell someone about it. Every episode, we explore the impact of people and technology on our lives and careers, and we send you away with something shareable. Now, without further ado, let's get to it. Pam, welcome to the show. Do me a favor and introduce yourself to all the people who don't know who you are. Hi, everybody. Uh, This is Pam Dittner. I'm so happy to be on Shareable podcast with Jeff, and uh, it's wonderful to be here. Um, I'm actually a marketing consultant and author of uh, two books, which is Global Content Marketing and uh, Effective Sales Enablement. And I just recently published Effective Sales Enablement book at the end of October. And this is actually a book written um, by a marketer, which is me, and four marketers. And the uh, majority of a sales enablement book is really about training and development. And this is a unique book talking about sales enablement from marketer's perspective. So that's pretty much it, Jeff. Awesome. Well, it is great to be back in touch with you. And um, we haven't seen each other since like a few conferences ago, many moons ago. Um, yeah. We keep in touch on social and I'm always following uh, you know, the stuff that you're working on and all of the uh, different things that you were doing in the global content marketing space and then this pivot to sales enablement. So I'm glad that we got back in touch to talk a little bit about that. Um, but I want to start before we get into the kind of meat of everything that you're known for, I want to give our guests, our, our listeners a chance to get to know you. So let's, uh, let's start by getting to know you a little bit. So I have this sure. that I like to ask because it tells me a lot about the people that I'm talking to. And since I've never asked it to you, I'm going to ask you now, if you could have sure. one superpower, what would it be? Uh, wow. One superpower. Actually, um, Oh, that's actually hard to answer. Just one. Okay. I would like to actually have a couple. <laughs> or here, here's the caveat. You know I'll, what? Give you. Tell you what, tell you what. Um, you can I would pick like... a superhero or supervillain and have their entire set, or you can pick one superpower. <laughs> so like you can say Spider-Man and you can you know, stick to walls. You can have the Spidey sense. You can you know, have reflexes, et cetera, and super strength. Or you can just pick one superpower. It's up to you. You know, there's one thing I really like um, is to be able to read minds and um, be able to understand what other people are thinking. I know there's a huge, huge drawback on that because, you know, when you are talking to a, a person, if you cannot shut that down, then that person's minds probably will engulf you big time. But um, to um, because I'm in the marketing and uh, try to understand the, the customer's um, uh, uh, challenges and the pinpoint. Sometimes I really like to get into their head and understand what they are thinking about. Of course, is it not necessary on the personal side of things that they are doing, but more or less, you know, more or less actually on what they think about the products and services. So if I actually had a superpower, um, I would say that be able to read somebody's mind. 
That's an interesting one. I always love yeah. asking people about uh, their superpower affinities because it, it really reveals a lot about the person. Uh, so interestingly, if if you couldn't control it, I don't think that would be a superpower. That would be a superpower. That I think that would drive people mad. Yeah, yeah. it would drive you crazy. And and the other thing is that I'm thinking if you're a marketer and you get into people's heads and that makes you able to be a better marketer, there's a really slippery slope to becoming a villain for that because then you can understand True. how to just about anything. Yeah, you can actually manipulate people. And I do agree with you. That's very much a slippery slope. And so when I say it, I was like, oh my God, this is like something that I really would like to have. But I understand, you know, it, like I said, everything comes with the pros and cons, right? And um, uh, it's just a matter of that uh, how you manage your superpower if you have one. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good answer. I like that one. So, so let me ask you another question that I think, um, you know, I want to know more about you by understanding some of the influences you have. So tell me who is your favorite person on the planet? It could be someone that you know personally or someone that you just absolutely love. All right. So, you know, when I... can't be me for this example. (laughs) Great. (laughs) And, you know, when I was like, um, when I saw that question, I was like, oh, okay, well, there's a difference between my favorite and also the person I admire the most. And the, the, the name that uh, came to my mind immediately is actually Peyton Manning, <laughs> the quarterback, the retired quarterback. I, I really, really like him. And the reason is I have a feeling, and I watch all his games. I'm not necessarily understand um, and memorize all his st- uh, the stats, but I know that um, I watch his game and I love that he never never uh gave up and everything he uh tried uh, had done is always like i could give 100 percent or more and i really like that perspective it and also he has a very kind of like wicked and the quirky sense of humor <laughs> i enjoy that tremendously but the thing is that is not my favorite person I, and um person. Th- let me tell you a joke and um i told my husband once and i say you know what Mike, I actually have a crush on Peyton. And my husband looked at me and said, so do I. We're on the same page. So I was like, oh, this is great. But really, my favorite person is my husband. Well, that's a really good answer, and it makes sense. Talk to me a little bit about how your relationship to your husband or just the impact that this human being has had on your life. Uh, There are a couple of things. He was the first one ever to say I'm beautiful and I'm beautiful the way I am. And my parents have never, ever said that to me. And I think I, this is, has a lot to do with Asian, uh, Asian upbringing. It's nothing that my parents don't love me. Oh, they love me dearly, but they don't show it and they don't express it, um, you know, through words. They most show it through their uh, action. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for the person that actually said, um, you are beautiful the way you are. The first person ever said that to me was my husband. On top of it, and um, 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 he, he, he knows who I am and uh, allows me to be me. Um, and um, he never, uh, he gave me a lot of space. Uh, to do what I what I uh, what I can do, and uh, I, if I can actually do my job right now as a marketing consultant and working independently, um, that's because he fully supported, and I really really appreciate that. And I not a lot of women can actually say that, and I'm very lucky that I'm one of them. That's really amazing. It's funny. Um, I don't know if uh, if you know, but my wife is Chinese. And uh, oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> my wife is Chinese, and. Um, I mean, she was born in Delaware, but like her parents um, came over from Hong Kong and Taiwan. And um, 
uh, and I'm she, from Taiwan. Are you okay? Oh, Her dad's from so. Taiwan. Um, so I'm, I'm learning a little bit of Cantonese and a little bit of Mandarin so I can speak to both sides of the family. Um, Very nice. but, uh, she loves it when I call her beautiful and, she, and she, it's interesting because at, um, at our wedding, uh, her cousin, um, uh, he, he, he got up there and he said, I'm not usually comfortable expressing my emotions, you know, Asian family, uh, yeah. we express our love with food and, uh, by, oh, you know, food. By being, yes. as a parent, by being hard on your children. Um, oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way they show their love is being yeah. tough. I totally, uh, I totally relate to that, but that's probably um, one of the reasons why she loves when I call her beautiful, aside from other things. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's really great to know that you know sometimes, um, sometimes the people who have the biggest impact on your life can be mentors. Sometimes the people that have the biggest impact on your life can be, you know, celebrities or whatever. But oftentimes, it's usually the ones that are closest to you. And if they really are supporting you, you know, it sounds like you wouldn't be able to do a lot of things that you can do right now if you didn't have such a great support system in your life. True, true. Like I said, I do admire Peyton a lot, but the person. And I would say I love the most that, of course, that would be my husband. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let me uh, ask you about the other side of what we talk about here on Shareable. We, we just talked about, you know, the, the person who's had an immense impact on your life. Talk to me a little bit about what you think is the most incredible technology. When you think about technology, what's something that you either use on a daily basis, something you think is fascinating, and, and it should be something that has directly impacted your life. What's that? Yeah. Technology? So um, the one I think is fascinating is actually artificial intelligence and that obviously have a huge impact on our lives right now. That's because how Google and Apple, you know, um, Spotify, how they use the uh, artificial intelligence and the uh, machine learning to anticipate our needs, right? And it ha- it's seamlessly behind the scenes that we, none of us actually notice, but it's actually there, right? So if you ask uh, Alexa or even Google a question, obviously that would was done by machine and the uh, machine was able to um, understand your question and then find the right answer for you, right? So that means machine is learning about you and they try to build intelligence for themselves. So um, that's very prevalent, the technology, but nobody, everybody take for granted. And it's going to have a huge impact actually on the marketing and sales side imagine that uh, the, the currently the, the technology that we are using, we also apply to, um, to the marketing side that be able to analyze um, the tons of the data out there for us to actually find a way to anticipate the customer's needs. If they consume a certain piece of content and maybe using the AI um, and, the, and uh, with the, the criteria that you set up and you can anticipate what kind of content they will actually consume next. Or um, you engage with your sales, uh, your your prospects, and uh, by talking to them, by uh, sharing information to them, the AI can analyze all that information and then uh, anticipate what is the propensity to buy. So I think that technology still have a long way to go, but it's going to have a huge impact um, in our lives in the future. I'm actually now, but it's going to be more in the future. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's so many different issues that crop up from it that I, I don't yeah, think we're a big I, enough I part agree. of the, There's not a big enough part of the conversation around, you know, here's a, it's just an example. I was listening to a podcast uh, the other day and uh, they were talking about um, how Google can manipulate results. Um, and, and we all kind of know this, but I mean, just think about this. If you were to put in a question, there's Google has to decide, do they want to serve you up the answer that is 
challenging your assumptions, that is confirming your biases, or that is as objective as possible? Um, you know, mm-hmm. did they bring you sites that you've previously looked at, or should they bring you new sites? Yeah, so everybody has these personalized searches, and there's a lot based upon how that algorithm and, and artificial intelligence is deployed that changes what our perspective on the world might actually be because you can get two sides of the same story depending upon which you know who you are that's actually running the search in the first place. Or so you can get the same sides over and over and over exactly. again to enforce your point of view. And that also informs some sort of bias. Exactly. So the other thing about um, the the artificial intelligence, I agree with you. It's such a massive thing. I was actually last night at uh, St. Joseph's University giving a guest lecture to oh, a wonderful. Uh, it was an international marketing uh, program in an MBA program, and somebody asked me like, you know, what, where should I go look for a job? Like, what should I do in marketing? And I basically said like, you you basically have to look out ten or fifteen years and think, what's the place that it's least likely that a robot is going to take my job? So mm-hmm. if you look at things like Facebook advertising, it's going to come to a point where you basically load up all of your assets, you load up who you think your customer is in natural language, and then you put in a couple headlines or things that you think about that customer, and you check a box to say, yeah, Facebook, you know, you can just you can veer off that course if you think it'll increase conversions. And the AI behind the scene will just go and figure that out and serve the ad to the exact right person with the exact right language for what they're going through in their life from all the assets you have. And we can see the beginning of this already with Facebook product catalog ads. They'll just search through and figure out what's the one you're most likely to buy. So I 100% agree with you. AI is going to be one of those most impactful technologies. And we're only at the very beginning. Very, very beginning and the cusp of it. Yeah. Yeah. So does AI overlap in any way with your expertise? Like what's the thing that you think at this point in time in your career that you really know about? What's your expertise and how'd you get into it? Yeah. Um, the thing is, um, no, AI does not, um, impact or, um, that everything I do at this time, to be honest with you. I mean, I use an AI tool specifically, um, just like any other standard platform that everybody's using, right? I use, um, obviously AI is behind Google, it's behind Salesforce, it's behind certain kind of a CIM and also the marketing automation platform. And I'm using that just because uh, the platform has a certain, certain kind of AI built into it. And um, uh, in terms of my uh, expertise, and that has a lot to do with my past experience. And uh, Jeff, I don't know if you remember, I worked at Intel for about 20 some years. Yep. And, I think that- uh, I think when we met, you had just left Intel not long ago. Exactly. After. I totally agree. And um, I wrote a book, Global Content Marketing, and um, and I used that book uh, somehow as kind of like a launch pad um, to leave Intel and to start my own consulting business. And it has been about four years. So given that the, my 20 years of experience tend to be on the client side, especially on the global enterprises. And um, so my experience or the stuff that I'm very, very good at is actually on the B2B marketing and also how to actually um, create um, the process and also the templates for enterprise um, marketing organization, how to align and sales and marketing better. Does so that make how sense? Did you get into that? Yeah. What? Why did you decide to go that route? I I found that go to um, what route? Go to uh, so going uh, the route of that skill set of building processes and all that. You know, when I was talking to the MBA class last night, I I kind of gave everybody the advice: so you should figure out what you're really good at or what you enjoy, and try and bake that in in some way into the career path that you choose. Did you just kind of stumble into this because when you were at Intel, it, it kind of worked out that way, or is there something inside of you that kind of made you go that way? 
You know, I think it's a combination of both, right? I mean, our life is never like something how we plan. It's always a combination of um, that we plan something and then wait, uh, work out, and then we pivot into something else. Um, um, well, I would like to answer that in probably two ways, Jeff. And one is probably my personality or my strength. Um, I am very, um, how should I say it? Uh, I wouldn't say very detail oriented, but I, uh, I like numbers and like process and like detail. I like to leverage the processes and then tools to get things done. So that's actually embedded into my uh, genes, if you will, or strength. I like to get things done. So a lot of job I had in Intel, and I joined Intel early on that the, the company actually encouraged people to move around. So I started in finance and accounting and then moved to operations, then moved to supply chain management. I was on manufacturing floor actually for a, a good period of time. Then from there, I moved to product development. And then I moved to uh, event uh, marketing, which is uh, event operations. And then eventually I moved to kind of like a, a marketing strategy. So you, when you see my career within one company, I have done multiple different jobs and across multiple different uh, uh, functions. And on surface, if you look at all those functions, um, they, they are not related, right? And uh, well, I was on supply chain management and then I was on marketing. On surface, you will look at these two jobs and say, I don't understand, Pam. These are, you require completely different skill set and knowledge, but you were able to actually move around. But if you look at the skeleton of all the jobs, it requires me to get things done. It requires me to set up a process and, and then pull a lot of team together and then uh, move things forward. So the skeleton itself is the same, even though the jobs are different. Does that make sense? So yeah. that is kind of my something I enjoy doing. And I would say that's my strength. And then moving from, say, finance and accounting eventually to marketing, I would say that's a twist of fate. I didn't plan that. If you asked me 20 years ago, I would, I would have told you I will be in finance and accounting for you know, all my life, right? But uh, it just happened that uh, I joined a company and then it happened that I stayed there for 20 years and it happened I, had a, I, had, I was fortunate enough to actually um, have a different job. And somehow, really, I, I have to tell you, Jeff, is twist of fate that I ended in marketing. And then from there, I was able to excel. So it's a combination of, you know, I understand what my skill sets are. And, but that's through the years of kind of doing different jobs. And also there, is, there, are, there were times of a self-reflection. There's one thing I do actually want to uh, tell the listeners is you need time to actually sit down or actually look inward. If you, especially, this is especially true if you are at the crossroad, you don't know what your next steps are. Right. And you need to really think it through. The only way to think it through is you need some quiet time to actually have a, a reflection. You need to think it through and also look inward. Of course, talking to your friends, talking to people like Jeff might help. But um, it's a t it, you need to kind of listen to your, your inner voice. And uh, the world is no, so noisy nowadays. It's very hard for us to listen to our inner voice. And, but you need to make an effort to make that happen. I 100% agree. Is that, 100%. That, did I answer your question? I was yeah, not yeah, sure. Yeah, so so uh, one, I just want to echo that I completely agree with, with how you kind of find your career path is 
Uh, it's what Mitch Joel generally refers to as a squiggle. So people yeah. think of their career trajectory as sort of a straight line or a path, but it's really more of a squiggle. Uh, and you have to kind of embrace that squiggle. And to your point about listening to your inner voice, I had written a blog post maybe four or five years ago called uh, How to Find Your True Love and Die Happy. And it was... <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it was this idea that, you know, people who find love and, and love what they do and love the person that they're with, like, they generally live like a more satisfying life and leave kind of happy, right? And and yeah. I wrote about the process of how to find what it is that you really want to do and that you're passionate about. And in it, I talk about listening for that voice inside of you, the one that kind of laughs and giggles and is excited about what it's doing. And that's the kind of voice you have to follow. And to your point, you kind of do a thing and it either works or it doesn't. You go doesn't work, then you try. And, yeah. and that becomes the squiggle, right? So, so it sounds to me like a lot of what your expertise and the through line of it is getting stuff done and being organized and having a certain mindset around creating process. So when you kind of at some point looked inward and, and understood that about yourself, was there a certain moment after getting into marketing where you realized that's what you're really passionate about is bringing that expertise to the field of marketing and, and building a structure for sometimes an otherwise structuredless part of the business? Yes. So, you know, there's another thing I kind of want to share with you and listeners. And um, I do agree with you that find something you love and, and, and then try to do that is actually the best way to go. And then, of course, hopefully at the end, you'll die happy. But... But even you do something you love, that doesn't mean that you are happy all the time. There's always uh, setbacks. There's always frustration. There's always failures that you have to deal with. Like I'm doing the stuff I love, but on a daily basis, there's always something that happens. And I always feel like, oh my God, you know what? I moved myself one step forward. Now I'm two steps backwards, especially dealing with technology and changing my website. I mean, anybody has done a website, you can probably sympathize with everything I just said. 100%. And yeah, so just even if you are, you're trying to find something that you love to do, I want to share with um, uh, the younger generation of listeners that... Um, that you will still have a setback. That doesn't mean that you will be happy all the time, right? It's just like because you, you, will, you will enjoy what you are doing, but there will be frustration. And sometimes it happens on a daily basis and you need to make an effort how to deal with that. So that's, that's one I kind of want to put that um, a friend. Yeah. And, um, I, I just want to quick underscore why it's important for you to say that because I think if anybody really looks into you at all, if they went to your website, they meet you in person, they hear you talk about what you do, you were like a ball of energy about this stuff. And you're so outwardly passionate about the, the things that you know about and sharing that with people that I think it's helpful to see that even someone like you who like jumps up on stage and you're just like, blasting with energy that there's days where you're like, uh, this sucks. I totally agree. Jeff, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Okay, great. Excellent. I hit the button and I was not sure is that a mute button or is like increasing or decreasing the value. Yeah, I think you still sound fabulous. <laughs> All right. Very, very good. So tell me just a little bit about um, the book that you've written and, and what, um, what the value is for somebody who might pick up a copy of the book and, and who should be reading it and things like that. Excellent. So, um, like I said, the first book I read was, I mean, I'm sorry, the first, the first book I wrote 
um, was a global content marketing is really talking about how to scale content across the region. And uh, that was actually from my own personal experience and personal learning I did when I was in Intel. I worked, I worked very closely with uh, uh, geographies and also country marketing managers and in terms of how to scale content across the region. And for my second book, I really uh, didn't want to write another uh, content marketing book. And I kind of want to challenge myself and to write another marketing topic. And at that time, I didn't know what I uh, want to write. And, and then I started looking inward again. I said, hey, what kind of experience can I share? Well, I supported the indirect and the direct sales force for a long period of time. And it was a blessing and also um, a curse. And I enjoy working with them and I learned a lot from them. They also learned a lot from me. So that kind of spark, um, um, how should I say it? Um, the thinking and, and also approach for the topic of my second book. And ultimately, eventually it's effective sales enablement. So I, I, I wanted to challenge myself to write another topic that's on the personal front. On the second, on the professional front, what I have noticed is a lot of the marketing elements or marketing campaigns can easily, easily be part of the uh, sales negotiating, uh, sales negotiation tools or um, um, uh, a way to actually accelerate sales conversion. And uh, for example, um, a whiskey company, uh, the sales team uh, was negotiating with a bunch of store manager of the liquor stores and also the supermarket in a specific city to increase their shelf space, right? And uh, they want uh, the whiskey, uh, their products to be prominently displayed uh, on the shelf and also with the multiple uh, rows. That makes a lot of sense. So they tried to negotiate a couple of times and uh, it was not successful. Finally, the salespeople say, guess what? you know what, this is what we're going to do for you, store managers. We are going to run the geo-targeted social media pay ads to drive for traffic to your stores for our free tasting events for these specific period of time, okay? So it's a free advertising and free marketing. I mean, which store manager will turn that down? So they were able to close that deal using pay social media or a marketing uh, communication channel as a negotiation tool. So what I want to share with uh, sales and marketing people out there is you need to look at the marketing elements as a way that it can be used if, if it's used right or necessary as a part of a sales negotiation and a sales engagement. But it does require that sales and marketing to work together and you need to understand as a marketer what the challenges of the sales team are encountering when they're talking to their targeted account and uh, for salespeople to understand, hey, guess what? Have that conversation with your marketing team, understand uh, the, uh, the various marketing channel possibly can help you to actually accelerate your conversation with your prospects. So the book is really for the marketing and salespeople and for marketers who actually support the sales team or for the salespeople who like to understand how to carry more productive or effective conversations with their marketing team. Is that helpful? And it is actually for the B2B marketers, to be honest with you, and the enterprise marketers. It's not necessary for, say, B2C. I would say B2B or B2B2C marketing professionals. That makes perfect sense. And there is such an overlap between marketing and sales that like mm -hmm. it's so it's not talked about enough how really closely 
these two departments, one, have to work and really how closely what they do actually is. When you're creating sales resources, you're basically creating marketing resources. Your salespeople are sometimes some of your best marketing in how they conduct themselves. Your marketers can't be just thinking about raising awareness. They have to be thinking about generating sales. So this overlap in creating a framework for that is super important um, because far too many uh, marketing and sales teams act like they're on two completely separate islands. Yeah and don't really interact nearly uh, enough. Yes, and what you said, I, I kind of summarize in, a two, uh, in like um, uh, two sentences. And marketing should see sales as another marketing channels. And sales should view marketing as a hidden sales force. So that, yes, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, 100%. Well, I definitely think people should go and check out the book. Um, before I let you go, you have a ton to offer, and I know this. So I want to ask you to share a couple things with us. I'm going to ask you a bunch of different right. questions of things I want you to share with uh, shareable listeners that they should go out and learn about, check out, whatever. So the first one is, what's one book that you think every person should read? And I'm going to uh, frame this as, you can't say your books for this question. <laughs> of course but not. <laughs> I'm going to tell people to do that anyway. But what's a book that you think everyone should go read? For um, for marketers, I you know when if you if I try to recognize a book, I try to identify who the, who the people should read the book. And uh, for marketers, um, I really really and still enjoy reading, and I read that multiple times. Is uh, Ogilvy in uh, on advertising by David Ogilvy, and that's a classic uh, marketing book, and that was written back in 1983, and a lot of concepts still apply, and uh, his writing is impeccable. That's awesome. I actually just read um, a book that David Ogilvy recommended that every marketer reads six times, uh, Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. It was written in 1923. Uh, and I just read that. Um, I, I'm it still on applies, the, right? Yes, yeah, <laughs> it applies about A-B testing and things like that. So uh, I love that. It's a great recommendation. All right. What's one application, mobile or desktop, that you just can't live without? Uh, Gmail. <laughs> so I'm checking gmails on a regular basis. Okay, cool. Makes perfect sense. It is a great email application. All right, what's one big lesson that you wish you learned earlier in your career? You'll be fine no matter what. Okay. So I got very I always get very nervous like oh my god, things is not going to work out and um and um you know, it's going to be the end of the world. No, nothing is the end of the world. All right. Every, as long as you keep hustling, everything will be fine. Awesome. What do you think the most important skill of the future is going to be? Um, people skill. I think um, we are doing, we are interact uh, too much with our devices and not so much with people. When I say people, it's a face-to-face. And uh, I see it actually in the next generation. I'm not saying everybody. And uh, I have two uh, two boys and they are 19 and 20 and I see it in them is that communication skills and it will not come naturally to them because they grew up with uh, uh, you know multiple devices and this is something that they actually have to learn in terms of how to interact with the people you know they still interact with people that but it's in what I call it the proper way does that make sense like making eye contact and uh, and do a small talk and it is there's a lot of some um, I would say a, a very basic and uh, uh, a manner um, I I think um, it's important to keep that so. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's also one another one of those skills that uh, the robots can't replace. Being human, it fundamentally... Being humane, yes. Yeah. Being humane. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Final thing is what's one thing that everybody listening to this episode should go and do today? Hmm. Learn one thing that uh, you don't know about. It's um, like uh, we all have a tendency to actually uh, uh, do what we are very familiar with and stay in our comfort zones. And what is one thing that you always want to learn? And uh, try to do that. That is great advice. All right, Pam, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. I want to know where, people, where can people go and be social with you? And now's a good chance to tell people what you're working on, where they can go to get involved, how they can help you, how they can connect with you, where they can buy your book, all those sort of good things. All right. Very good. And uh, if you have, reach out to me via uh, pamdidner.com or you can just Google Pam Dittner, uh, Pam, P-I-M and D-I-D-N-E-R. And uh, if you have any marketing and uh, sales challenges, uh, let me know. Um, I was to see what I can do. And check out my book, Effective Sales Enablement. And uh, if you read a book and you find nothing, nothing relevant or useful, schedule a call with me. Share your challenges with me. I want to come up with a solution for you. Awesome. Can't beat that uh, offer. That's awesome. Well, Pam, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on this episode. I strongly advise everyone go and check out everything that you're doing uh, just from following you for as long as I have and being connected with you. Uh, I can tell people there's immense value uh, in checking out what Pam thinks about and what she talks about and all of the graphics and drawings that you put together to illustrate points. I really appreciate them. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. If if I could say that, if I could describe this episode, I guess in any one way, I guess I would probably say that this was shareable. I agree. Wait, the show's not over yet. I have some important announcements. If you made it this far, you're clearly a dedicated fan, or you're in the middle of vacuuming and just haven't hit stop on your podcasting app. Whatever the case, we want to thank you. We're not just music to your ears, we're music to your inbox. If you subscribe to our email list at sharablepodcast.com slash subscribe, not only will you get access to our private Facebook group, you'll also get all of our blog posts, newsletters, special announcements, and more. You won't find any of that in your podcast feed. You can follow the show at shareable underscore pod on Twitter and just shareable podcast on everything else. You can find Jeff online at jeffgibber.com and you can connect with me on Twitter at Caroline Sohn because I don't have a website yet. So go ahead, call us, leave a message, subscribe to our list, leave a rating, review us on iTunes, tell a friend, tell your mom. If she's like my mom, she'll love it. And now for the thank you portion to all the folks that make this podcast possible. Shout out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song, Always, and Ahamitsu for the use of our outro song, Adventures. And a big thank you to Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value. 